The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. Futures kind of resilient here in the face of some hot eco data, whether that's Q4 GDP, durables, best print in nearly three years, or jobless claims. Ten-year climbs to 352 on a very busy day for earnings as well. Our roadmap is going to begin with Tesla. Record quarter shares up more than 27% just this month. Chevron with a $75 billion share buyback, boosting the dividend. And Southwest Chief Bob Jordan is going to join us this hour after the airline posted that $220 million loss following the holiday service meltdown over there. Let's begin, though, with the record results for Tesla and Elon Musk is expressing some optimism about demand. Here's what he said last night on the call. Thus far in January, we've, we've seen the strongest orders year to date than, than ever in our history. Um, we, we currently are seeing orders at well, almost twice the rate of production. So, I mean, that, that, it's hard to say whether that will continue twice the rate of production, but the orders are, are high. And... Um, and we've actually raised the model at Y price a little bit in response to that. So uh, we do not, we, we, we think demand will be good despite probably a contraction in the uh, automo- automotive market as a whole. Share is going to open above 150, which was originally long ago a bear case at Morgan Stanley. Now they say it's where investors will get interested again. Well, I think that the marginal price cuts brought in a lot of buyers. I think that. Fantastic. He doesn't sound at, as uh, exuberant as I think he could be, because it is rather remarkable. They cut the price just a little bit, and next thing you know, they've just got orders galore. This was a great quarter. Uh, there's no denying it. And you found yourself thinking, how the heck did this stock fall so much? But it, it, it was too expensive versus the rest of the market. But look, they're just a tech car, a tech car delivery system. They talk a lot about uh, self-drive. Talk a lot about battery storage, of course, and it was joyous. It was a joyous conference call, probably the most joyous conference call. Well, this, at these levels, a 10% roughly gain here would be the best day for the stock in about six months. Does it fit with the notion that their cuts, their price cuts are going to help them win in a yes. slowing market? Yes. I think that what's really going to be interesting is what happens to Ford and GM. I mean, they're coming in under Ford and GM. So I think that, like, for instance, Ford Mach-E, I suspect they're going to have to cut price. So he's doing exactly what you would want a very strong competitor to do, which is cut price below where the other guys can make them. So the other guys aren't capable of making the number that they thought they would. And therefore, he takes more share. He's playing with his queen, in other yes. words. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. Uh, uh, there is a, a, a moment in the call where he talks about how much further away he is from everybody else. And there's also a moment where he talks about how China is the only place that could possibly catch him. Uh, very excited about the Cybertruck. Uh, obviously, uh, one of those situations where he can, there's a, there's a battery bottleneck, but you can do, do 2 million cars and everything goes right. It's a remarkable thing. I mean, he, 
he is doing these numbers that are extraordinary versus where he was three years ago. So it, it, it's a great job. All right. We got some news yesterday about the Gigafactory in Nevada. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's funny. We've, we've turned to Musk a little bit more over time for peaks at the macro. And for a while, he was very uh, nervous about right. rampant inflation. Here's what he said last night about deflation and the Fed. I think we are seeing deflation. Um, then you would add the deflation number to the, the, the in quotes, risk-free rate from the Fed. And as that starts to exceed 6%, now you're starting to exceed the uh, long-term return of the S&P 500 and it starts to become questionable as to why, uh, why, why not just put your money in um, T-bills or a savings account, essentially, uh, instead of um, in the S&P 500. Uh, if the S&P 500 is, is variable and the, and the uh, bank interest rate is not. This is so basically the, the, the Fed. The Fed is at risk of crushing the value of all equities. This is quite a serious uh, danger. So he's in the Barry Sterling camp here, Jim. Well, look. I mean, there, I know absolutely. Look, I I think that he gives that. He gives his view, and then he gives his view of his own company. And frankly, uh, I don't care as much about his macro view as I care about the numbers he's delivering. I mean, you know, there's this moment on the call where he talks about Tesla insurance. And it reminds me how powerful he is. He's even talking about how he can hold the whole industry insurance hostage because he has kind of like a TVA for insurance. He tells you exactly what insurance could be. It works very well. Uh, it works very well for anybody who buys one of his cars. It, it, look, I think that the his view on the economy is as extraneous as his, uh, his moment where he just talks about his, his whether he's popular, <laughs> whether he's favorable. And he judges that by his 127 million followers. So he's clearly very popular. And I, I think what's it, oh, he does say it's very good to sell Teslas. But, you know, he wants to be liked. I was surprised he wanted to be liked. I didn't I didn't think he cared. It, 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 there's a lot of things in here that that really cut to the to the psyche of Musk. And it comes out very positive. Uh, meantime, uh, Journal yesterday runs this story about him trying to raise some money to help pay off Twitter yeah, debt, yeah, which he, he did push back on. But are we done Thinking about additional stock sales of Tesla to pay for you know, whatever they do owe at Twitter. Yeah, and I think that that was instrumental in bringing the stock down uh, because every day you had someone, you had supply, and this stock was very supply constrained. I now feel that it actually has a PE. It's not a bad stock. It's not a bad stock to own. I mean, this is a guy who has got the. The moment of, of the economy is you want to cut price in order to get buyers. He's cutting price. It sells at 32 times earnings. I mean, it is relatively cheap versus tech. We'll have tech companies on. They'll be 40 times earnings. They don't have anywhere near the growth that he has. Right. And, and, and oncoming competition, oncoming charging networks, um, oncoming marketing, right? The power of marketing, which is something Tesla doesn't do. Well, that is the principal worry is, is that if you have to start marketing, which Tesla has not had to do, uh, what will that do? Let's. Will, will, are they trying to commoditize their own? I mean, when you look at Henry Ford and the Model T, he wanted to dominate, and then he became a commodity. And you don't have as much price leverage when you have a commodity. But I do think that if you're you're Mary Barr, if you're Jim Farley, I think you're saying, darn it, darn it, I, you know, wow. We I, thought we had him on the ropes for yeah, a bit? we thought we had him on the ropes. That's a good way to put it. When you're doing 30, 40 million, 30, 40,000 trucks and cars and they're electric and he's cutting price and maybe the cyber truck is more of a reality than you think and 
people think that the Cybertruck might be very cool. What does it do for the F-150? Now, the F-150, the electric F-150 sold through for the year. And that's pretty fabulous because we're only in January. But it is, uh, he is a force. To, he sees it coming. And other than in China, which is still doing well, he's really not concerned. Uh, China, he does acknowledge that they're great. And by the way, he acknowledges that NVIDIA is very good. It's the only time, the only company that rivals him is when he talks about the, the NVIDIA mm. self-drive. And, uh, but, of course, he trashes NVIDIA. I mean, Jensen Wong, come on, the guy's got the platform for chat, for the AI chat. I mean, how do you I'm, just slag him? I'm laughing today because uh, Credit Suisse uh, names it a top pick, right. uh, 210 target. And they see gaming returning to double-digit revenue growth in the back half no, of the year. I mean, look, Jensen, that, that's an inventory correction issue. And if they get the inventory corrected, then uh, NVIDIA goes back to its premium status. My, my travel trust, uh, never, you know, we, we just hold NVIDIA because it, NVIDIA is the way that you have industrial chat, and, uh, artificial information. I mean, there's a moment, you know, these call, you're on these calls. And people start talking about what it's really good for. And it's good for when you go to the Wendy's line and you ask for something and they can't really understand it. It's not as good for the parlor game of the haiku. You know, Jim <laughs> yes, and I, Jim soars <laughs> and Carl goes higher. I mean, I mean we, we, don't want the, we don't want the games. Although there is talk, of course, that, that Google can now challenge. Uh, Google will be challenged with, uh, with questions that... that Microsoft can do, but the main thing is it's industrial, and I don't think people get that. Speaking of industrial uh, information, new data today uh, showed a slight slowdown in economic growth. Initial read of a Q4 GDP 2.9, deceleration from 3.2, but that is above consensus, and that slowdown occurring in the wake of higher rates. Claims, we're still shaking our head, Jim, at 186,000. Not to, and durables, by the way, the best print since 2020. No, I mean, it's just not working yet. I mean, you can see why they do these quarter points, because these are numbers that are pretty much red hot. I, I saw them and I said, oh, 50's back on the table. Because it's just not possible to have these numbers and expect, other than in enterprise software, that you're going to see uh, layoffs. I mean, look, Dow laid off people, a couple thousand, but they're really Europe. I mean, Europe is in recession. Uh, China coming back in construction. But we're just a strong country. And if you want to slow us down to get better price, you're going to have to come up with something else. I mean, right now, right now, it's just too hot. Right. It's just very hot. Everything's hot. Look at Steel's doing amazingly. I know you just had a conversation with uh, Andrew about severance, and that's made its way into some notes about our parents' earnings today out of Wells, looking at, I mean, look at the, the Dow layoffs, IBM, 3M, LAM Research, SAP, you think the data either is not reflecting the layoffs or that the severance is masking the impact? Well, I think the severance is. I mean, look, Greg Hayes did say that he was able to pick up, uh, I don't know, 20,000 engineers from people who are laid off. Uh, we'll talk to Bill McDermott. He's, uh, I think he's even more bullish than his, his typical bullishness. But I know that if you get fired from Meta, I mean, you know, you're not going to work anytime soon. I mean, it's the time of your life. Now, no one's, but, you know, in the times that I've been fired, uh, you know, I got to give me a couple of bucks. Here, here's, here's, your, here's your hat. What's yeah, your hurry? It's some cushion. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this is no cushion. This is uh, basically uh, just the great, uh, just a great time. If you're younger and you get laid off by, of all people, Mark Zuckerberg, 
you know, you're like going to Vegas and then you're probably going to Europe, maybe go to Bali, you know, Go to Polynesia. It's pretty good. Actually, look at Las Vegas Sands and some of the comments oh from, from Marriott, which mm. we'll get to after the break. Uh, Macau gaming. And I mean, it is, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would think, you know what? Those Fed cuts are really starting to have an impact. <laughs> sorry, Jay. I mean, I love Jay, but yep. Jay, I mean, I, I'm sorry I can't help you. There's some really good quarters here. It's kind of like when you score a touchdown and then they do. They yeah, they come right back. Yeah. And, uh, but I do expect a low-scored low game. Uh, still to come, as Jim said, a CEO doubleheader this hour. We'll talk to Southwest on the quarterly loss there and some of the effects of those holiday operational disruptions. We'll talk profits and the cloud, as Jim also said, with Bill McDermott of ServiceNow. We'll get to some of the other airlines. We'll get to news on Meta, our parent, this incredible buyback over at Chevron oh, when we come geez. back. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Shares of ServiceNow, symbol now, is lower in the pre-market. This is by an earnings beat and revenues in line with analyst expectations. So we got to get to the bottom of this. Uh, joining us now is Bill McDermott, chairman and CEO of ServiceNow. Bill, always good to have you on the show. Jim, great to be with you. Thank you. All right, so Bill, let's get down. I mean, I, sometimes the, the stock market, your stock was down 18 at one point last night. Sometimes the stock market just gets it wrong. I, I read through this very closely. Uh, I think it's in line to even better than we heard when you were in Davos. Uh, and yet people are picking on a 0.5 CRPO. I don't want to be too uh, in the weeds here. But basically saying that you missed one little part of your guidance. But when you look at the actual order flow and when the orders were renewed, you beat the number. So let's just get right to it in terms of how well you're doing. Yeah, Jim, uh, ServiceNow remains a beyond expectations company. Um, We had an unbelievable quarter. We beat on the top line. Our margins were two points better. Our EPS was 26 cents better. And the one thing that you're pointing out is this idea of RPO, which is this uh, remaining performance obligation or backlog. And basically, in the fourth quarter, we had such a surge in new business, 30% year-over-year growth in new business, we didn't need to go for early renewals. So it has absolutely no bearing on revenue or profit or the sustenance of the company. 
it's one little thing that somebody's p picking on because they can. So I, uh, I explained that in the earnings call. Everybody now gets it, and the analyst notes are coming out with buy everywhere today on ServiceNow. By the way, Jim, our guide was well above the highest estimate on the street, not even close. So our guide for 23 is continuing our amazing performance. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, I was kind of laughing about what people are looking for. They wanted something. And I, you know why I think they wanted something, Bill? Because the other guys in your cohort aren't doing as well. And I think they want to believe, the analyst community, that there's no way that Bill McDermott and ServiceNow have such a good product that <laughs> they're head and shoulders above everybody else. So could you explain to our audience why, if you bring ServiceNow and you actually may be saving money and that's why you're doing so well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're actually not even dependent on whether IT budgets or budgets are going up because we have the platform, the platform for end-to-end -end digital transformation. So the C-level decision makers that are watching your show right now, if they want to take cost out of the equation, improve productivity, and do everything with maximum automation, they're going to go for service now because this is the platform that can get it done. But they also are super smart people, and they recognize if they don't invest in the short term, they'll fall back in the mid and the long term. So growth still has to be on their minds, and digital transformation is still the most important thing for digitizing a company. And we also do that. So you can say yes to ServiceNow if it's a cost out or a growth on scenario, and that's why it's become the de facto standard for digital transformation for forward-thinking companies around the world. You know, Bill, we, we talked a lot about your interview with Jim uh, over the last, say, quarter and a half, where you initially warned people about longer uh, lead times, uh, some uh, incremental weakness in Europe. And it was jarring. And I'm wondering if you look back on that now, how the pictures evolved since. It's a great question, Carl. I was a straight shooter then, and I'm a straight shooter now. The reality is, at that time, if you remember, it was the second quarter of 2022. The Ukraine war was uh, kind of sinking in. We had an interesting macro with inflation, supply chain dislocation, tightening monetary policy. All this was just starting. And I saw the clouds and I called it out. And now I see a situation where, with our company as an example, we completely pivoted around that new paradigm and changed the go-to-market to really go after business impact, selling solutions, and making sure the customer was front and center in the way we innovated, the way we delivered value, and ultimately the way we performed. And that's why we are in fantastic shape right now, because we've been working hard for our customers. All right, so Bill, I got to go there. Uh, the headline right after you released your numbers, was no layoffs from McDermott. As if somehow you are uh, too fat, uh, that you are carrying a big too, much too much of a table of employment. Bill, isn't it because you need the people because you have <laughs> a lot of business? <laughs> yeah, Jim. I mean, look, look at it this way. You guys know very well, and the people watching your show know very well, that a company that performs at the rule of 40 is considered world-class. That's a combination of revenue and free cash flow growth at 40. We're operating at the rule of 58.5. So that means we're growing top line really fast. We're expanding geographically. We're growing across all industries. And we're driving solutions 
for every persona in an enterprise. So we need people to build the best platform in the world. So we're hiring engineers and we need the go-to-market machine to serve our customers and we're hiring go-to-market folks, especially those that carry quotas. And we're expanding our ecosystem and the network effect everywhere. So we're hiring, no layoffs. In fact, we're looking for nines and tens. We want the best people in the world to work for ServiceNow. Well, Bill, I know you're a giving guy because I've been to your um, galas and everybody's there, including your competitors, but I was trying to come up with a new one. What do you think this one? Jealousy per share. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and Jim, you know this very well, right? The United States Army expanded with ServiceNow to go way beyond IT, to go into customer service management for more than a million active military contractors and civilians. The Schwartz Group in Europe, one of the largest retailers in the world, is reinventing retail on ServiceNow for 11,000 stores. AT&T, Banco do Brasil, Sumitomo, they all want to innovate and change the game so they win. And there is so much to be done, and we are doing it all organically. There's no tech debt with ServiceNow because we built it ourselves. Our engineers are the best in the world. I'm betting it all on them and our great professionals and our great partners. And every quarter I come on this show, I want to give you an update and let you know that anybody that's not long on ServiceNow doesn't actually win. Well, I like that. And, Bill, we're going to have to leave it go at that. I, other than the fact that the nines and tens have been laid off from Meta, time to get your resume in there. Bill McDermott, ServiceNow, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jim and Carl. Good to see you, Bill. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, uh, speaking of corporate rivalries, we'll talk about Southwest, uh, some of the shade being thrown their way by the likes of America. And they can take a look at futures as we count down to the opening bell in about four and a half minutes. Every day. Thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. In honor of J-Pal who I know tunes in around 925 because he wants to get the man dash. Uh, Sherwin-Williams, very disappointing. Uh, on every single line, actually. America's bad. Uh, consumer brand's bad. Uh, y- 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 performance coding's bad. I mean, some of these are just really big. Obviously, everyone knows Sherwin-Williams. Everyone knows that this is related to housing. So housing is problematic. Uh, by the way, Dallas said housing is problematic. So it's not all bad for Jay. This is a win for Pat. Sherwin Williams. So I like maybe we send him some cans of Sherwin Williams the next meeting because yeah. it's pretty good for him. Uh, we will not be immune from what we expect to be a challenging yeah. environment. Uh, visibility beyond the first half of the year uh, is limited. They they specifically point to existing homes. Right, and the, it's true. That's where the leverage is. Of course, interest rate, mortgage rates aren't higher at the highest. But this was reassuring uh, from the point of view, not to work at Sherwin-Williams, but the idea that there is some cooling of a part of inflation that was very bad for the working person. It's not eggs, but everybody should has the right to be able to try to own a home. And we were losing that in this country. Maybe it's coming back. Let's get the opening bell and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange at the big board. It is Latin Finance in celebration of the Latin America Capital Market Summit. 
at the NASDAQ uh, freight booking platform. Fredo's celebrating its public listing via SPAC. Does that mean, Jim, that are you firmly back in the 50 camp here for next No, week? I'm, I'm saying that there'll be chatter just because when you get these numbers, uh, y- you question uh, how quickly we're slowing. And the answer is, is that we can't be on the pace of Europe. Europe is just in getting into a really bad recession. China coming out of it because they're reopening. And then the United States just kind of humming. And if that's what you're accepting, if they, if they don't want to have overreach, if they just have humming and they're all right with that, then they're OK. But otherwise, no, the, these the, the raises have not really meant much. Right. So directionally then, what does this mean for stocks? Are we remain in a range? Well, uh, does the 200 day, is that remain material? Does the VIX remain material? Well, I'll tell you, I don't know what those mistaken trades at the beginning when our charts are going to matter. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. It does affect the charts. But I think that what's happened is, is that we've got, a, we have some very severe layoffs in the country, but they're not where we expect them. Every single time you're on a tech call, IBM, like, oh, okay, well, they're laying off 3,000. I mean, you know, like, of course they are. Uh, all the tech calls, with the exception of Bill McDermott, of ServiceNow, we just heard, are calls of gloom. Uh, now, the packages are terrific, and you might say, well, those people are, they're not really unemployed. They're just, you know, they're surfing. But I would say that certain, that this is a, if there is going to be a slowdown, it's concentrated in an area that has been so strong and bid up so many engineers that they actually may impact the economy. And people don't think that's right. When I mention that, they don't realize that 27% of the S&P uh, comes under the uh, purview. Of, uh, of, of this kind of software and enterprise software is so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. That's why what people were like, is McDermott not laying off people? Doesn't he know what's going on? Well, McDermott has a product that saves people, uh, saves costs for companies. But there is no doubt about it that there's a gigantic pause on spend and tech. Gigantic. And then, I mean, let, let's do this. You know, see, if people who are making fortunes, 500, 600,000, the layoff package is that. Uh, and then you have Chipotle. And Chipotle's got to find the 15,000 people because it's burrito season, of which, by the way, I wasn't quite familiar with. <laughs> I thought it was still football season. I didn't know it was burrito season. But there is, uh, there are lows, there are some lower paying jobs that they're probably going to struggle to find. And then you just have you're, someone from Alphabet who doesn't get hired or gets laid off is not going to work at Chipotle, but they don't have to because they have such a good severance balance. For now. Yeah, for now. As long as it lasts. Yes. Uh, Your point about IBM is good. Stock back to 136. That's going to take you back to November. Uh, The software revenue uh, was ahead, and the... FX neutral revenue guide was in line, but there were comments uh, from Krishna about uh, the back half of the year and what happens if things do get worse. Take a listen. What we are seeing is that most of our clients do believe that even if there are some, I'll call them minor or different headwinds in 2023, they are going to emerge stronger. As they want to emerge stronger, that means they're all deploying technology to help offset wage inflation, cyber issues, supply chain challenges, and all the demographic shifts, meaning there's just fewer skilled people to hire. Consequently, we're seeing them double down. So he's talking about IT intensity, same thing that Dell right. talked about. I mean, about. a lot of people felt that it's a back half story. A lot of other people felt that the layoffs that were mentioned 
are for real because they don't have enough business. They actually are part of a broad reshuffling of where people are working within IBM. The stock has been a great performer. So it's coming in a little. It wasn't a bad quarter. Uh, is it a great quarter? No. Uh, it's very typical, by the way, of a lot of the software quarters. Now, they have this red hat, which they bought, and I think it's looking okay, and it's giving a, a, a hybrid cloud strategy. But it mentions the word cloud, and if it's got anything to do with the cloud, then it seems very yesteryear. Like everybody who wanted to get on the cloud is on the cloud. Now, actually, that's not true. Exactly. But that's where the market's, market's taken at this point. Right. Um, chips today, whether it's ST Micro, Seagate's leading the S&P at the moment. We mentioned the call on NVIDIA over at Credit Suisse looking for gaming rebound in the back half of the year. All right. I know this is insane, but the best call of last night in terms of understanding the uh, all of tech was from Tim Archer who is the CEO and straight shooter at Lamb Research, which at one point was down, it's LRCX, it was down 20 at one point. They uh, announced gigantic job cuts, but they don't, you know, really a lot of job cuts. But what they said is that, look, this inventory glut that we've seen in semiconductors, well, they're producing the fewest uh, uh, DRAMs that they ever have, basically, as a percentage. of Remember, they make the equipment that you need in order to make semiconductors. 7% workforce, 1,300 jobs, layoff, but two billion out of sales in China ended, just ended. The US government took it away, and yet the company is still humming. And yet, if you want to know, I bet you Micron is up nicely now. It should be up nicely. See if the market's rational at all. Well, the, what I was, eh. I mean, ST Micro is a, almost a 52-week high. Well, and I can't remember the last 52-week high we had in chips. No, it's hard to find. Uh, but yeah, anybody who makes chips uh, and had an inventory glut had to like what Tim Archer had to say, which is, look, we don't have a lot of orders. We, we make a ton of money. I mean, the orders cut back dramatically because everybody realizes, wow, we can't end this glut. But he did say, look, the glut in DRAMs ends eventually. Those are the basic building block commodity because when you do something on the cloud, you do have to store it. So he was, I, I have to think he's very, very good. And it's a really well-run company. Mm -hmm. The fact that they could make so much money when the government says, listen, you're done with, you're done with a sophisticated China product, including, by the way, the add-ons, is a testament to how great America is. And I know that you can say, well, listen, Kramer, you're just <laughs> shilling for America. No, I mean, American um, corporate dynamism is what we're all about. Yeah, I mean, look, this company sells 14 times earnings. It generates a huge amount of cash. They, uh, they basically have no orders. In, in, in their key product line. And they're still doing well because they do great servicing. When people look at the intellectual property of where we're great in this country, it's LAM, it's KLA, and it's supply materials. That is the difference maker. So when they, when, when our government said no to LAM for sending $2 billion to China, that's because if you want to be keeping up with America, you, get, you take LAM product, ASML too. So people should read LAM and realize how great we are in this country, that you could lay off all these people, have very, have no virtually no orders in your main category and have the stock hunch. Yeah, yeah. ASML also almost, uh, say, a 10-month high. Yeah, well, I mean, the semiconductors, it's just another area where I think that, geez, Jay was winning there and now he's not winning. Jay, I'm sorry. 
Jay, stay tuned because we got a real loser coming up. <laughs> Easy. I'm sorry. That was wrong. That was wrong. I was just, I was more travel oriented. My travel had one. Well, we do want to turn to uh, Southwest today. Uh, the airline did post a $220 million loss for the quarter following those canceled flights and the scheduling troubles during the winter holidays. Uh, joining us this morning, Phil LeBeau joins us this morning with a very special guest. Hey, Phil. Carl, thank you very much. Bob Jordan, CEO of Southwest thank Airlines. Uh, on a day where you guys posted a much wider than expected loss for the fourth quarter, $800 million hit from the meltdown. You got a lingering impact in the first quarter of $300 million. Do you realize, do you give us some sense of how much you understand just how mad your customers are about what happened at the last week of the year? Well, Phil, first, thanks for being here. We're in the uh, our Dallas uh, maintenance facility, which is just terrific. But I, I just got to start with a huge apology to our customers and to our employees. We really messed up that week, and, and you've got my sincere apologies. And you've got my full commitment. It's on me. You've got my commitment to do what it takes uh, to fix our issues. Our customers are sticking with us. Uh, we really inconvenienced them. But if you look at March and beyond, the bookings are strong. Our leisure bookings are strong. Our managed business bookings are coming in strong. So there's a lot of evidence that our loyal customers are sticking with us. Bob, you say it's on you. I have to be honest with you. A lot of people probably heard that and they say, that sounds like the typical corporate apology. How do I know that the true changes are going to be made? If this happened at my company, somebody is going to lose their job. Something's going to happen. What's been changing to make sure this doesn't happen again? Well, we already had a very rigorous uh, program in place. One of our top five strategies to modernize the operations. So there was a lot underway. Uh, my full focus is on taking care of our customers and our employees and doing everything it takes to ensure that this does not happen again. We've got things in the short term that we're doing. Uh, we've added uh, a, a full-scale look at our de-icing procedures. We have additional early alerts to understand what the state of the operation. We've added extra crew scheduling, uh, staffing as an example, and we have a full uh, deep reporting and assessment with Oliver Wyman to really get to the root cause of what happened. And uh, we're committed to fixing those things. I know Jim's got a question. Jim, just a second. I have one quick follow-up for Bob. You and Gary Kelly, years at this, this airline, how is it that you were not making the investments? And I know it's not just you two, but the management yeah. team. The investments that were needed that should have been made that weren't being made. How could that happen? Well, there's been a lot of discussion about technology and technology investment. We, we invest a lot in technology, a billion dollars a year. We'll actually invest closer to $1.3 billion here in 2023. We have a long track record of doing a great job in technology. We just put in an industry-leading system here for our maintenance and aircraft routing folks to serve them. Last year, we put in a brand-new human capital management people system. So the, the, the idea that we don't invest in technology just isn't correct. We have a long track record of doing that. Now, there are always things to work on, and we have things to work on in the crew scheduling area, as an example, and we will do that. Jim, I know you got a question. Hello, Jim. Okay, Bob. Uh, uh, yeah, Bob, good to see you. And you know, Bob, I actually don't care that you spend a lot on technology. What I care about is do you spend enough on technology? And to me, when I read Holiday Meltdown Exposed to Southwest Airlines Technology Woes, and when I read another one, uh, Southwest Antiquated and Atypical Flight Systems, what I say to myself is, man, what a chump I am. I actually believed you guys that you were the best run. Uh, you're not spending enough. And I don't know who you're bringing in. I like to know, who are you bringing in? Because you cannot do this yourselves. What big companies in technology are you bringing in to fix this? Because $1 billion doesn't cut it. 
Jim, we, we partner with all kinds of, of, of partners, as you would expect. AWS for cloud services, IBM, Microsoft. But to get specific on crew scheduling, there's been a lot of discussion there. The, the, that, that software performed as designed. What really happened is we just had an absolute cascade of, of flight cancellations given the breadth and the depth of the storm and for so many days. That turned into a lot of aircraft routings that had to be solved and ultimately so many crew routings that had to be solved. It just overwhelmed our technical and our manual and process ability to handle those. That was really the issue, not the software. Uh, we've actually got a fix with GE Digital here uh, that that fixes that issue, a new enhancement, and it is in test uh, right now. So a very rapid response to that issue in particular. Okay, so you're sticking with the hub and spoke approach, even though all of the the journalists, who obviously don't know the business as well as you do, uh, their reporting says that hub and spoke failed on this particular period. You know, we, we are a very large uh, uh, operator. We have a very large network. It has served our customers very well for 51 years. I would say that we're somewhere between hub and spoke and point to point. We point have a hybrid. You're both. I'm uh, sorry, should have been point to point. Are, you have a hybrid system. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. absolutely. There are more that are, uh, that, that are more point to point than we are. Uh, at the end of the day, it serves our customers really well. Uh, direct routings, far fewer connections, and it also serves our operational reliability very well because you have more flights and more depth in, in, in markets to be able to reaccommodate customers when you do have the regular operations. All of our capacity, the vast majority here in 2023, is going in to existing markets to add breadth and depth, and that'll add operational reliability. The DOT sense to be, has launched Phil? an investigation into what happened with the meltdown. Yes. Two questions here. A, have you pinpointed that specific, and it sounds like you have, because of the work you're doing with DE, uh, GE Digital, and, and also, how often have you had conversations with Pete Buttigieg, the Transportation Secretary, and what has he said to you? Well, first, we, we're going to obviously uh, uh, collaborate fully with our oversight committees, as you would expect. I've had several conversations with the Secretary, and uh, we're aligned in our focus on our, uh, taking care of our customers and uh, ensuring that we handle them properly. That's exactly what you would expect Southwest to do. That's the Secretary's focus. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll absolutely collaborate and cooperate with those investigations. And did you pinpoint this? Is this GE Digital fix? Is that going to specifically fix the software issue that was at the heart of the scheduling problems? Well, it, it's not one thing. This was a very complicated series of events, and I think uh, I don't want to speculate before we get this Oliver Wyman report. But I think we'll find a number of things. Things like. Uh, being prepared even more for super cold weather, more, more de-icing capabilities as an example. It wasn't, just to clear it up, it wasn't a failure in the scheduling software. What happened was we got to the point there were so many transactions to solve that we got behind and the software is not designed to solve past problems. Uh, the good news is DE Digital already has a fix in place that's in test today that will be able to handle that condition if we get there again. Your pilots are going to be uh potentially with a new contract at some point this year. but they Not don't just have potentially, one. they will have a new contract, I promise you. But in the meantime, they have authorized a strike vote for May 1st. And in the process, their leadership has said, you know what, if you're a Southwest customer, I wouldn't book these guys. As the CEO of this company, what do you think when you hear your own pilot saying, don't book us right now? Well, we are in negotiations and mediation, and uh, this is a very complex event that doesn't lend itself to a headline or a soundbite. Uh, the, the, the mediation process is very well defined. They, it's an authorization to take a strike vote, not a strike vote. Correct. And even that does not lead to a strike. There are a lot of processes here. 
this will not impact our operation. It will not impact the reliability for our customers. And uh, I'm confident we'll get to an agreement with our pilots and our other unions. In, in the last few months, we've gotten to five new agreements with our unions, and we're making progress with several, several others, and we are going to pay market rates. But and when you heard the, the head of the union tell your customers publicly, don't book us. You're not, you're not being served if you go with Southwest this spring. Don't book us. What do you think? Well, you just have to watch the headlines. There's a well-defined process of mediation run by the National Mediation Board, and there are many, many, many steps before you could get to a, uh, to a, to a strike if, if that were to occur, which I do not believe it will. The mediation process is 99% effective. We're making great progress, and I'm confident we'll get to an agreement with our pilots. Jim, I know you got another question for Bob. Sure. Jim. Okay, so Bob, Chris Perry said, we are not a hub and spoke carrier. We have 30-plus uh, airports with high flight volume, so you do both. And it made me think you do point-to-point -point hub and spoke. How can you possibly have enough pilots to do what you're doing, given the great pilot shortage in the country? Well, the uh, if you look at the... Uh, disruption in December, it, it had nothing to do with staffing. We were very well staffed coming into the disruption and we remain uh, well staffed. We, we hired 11,800 net new employees in 2022, which is actually higher than the plan. And a lot of that was pre-preparing for 2023. This is a great place to work. I was visiting with a uh, group of applicant pilots a few days ago. They were eager to come to Southwest Airlines. I am not concerned that we will attract uh, great pilots to Southwest Airlines. Bob, this week there's a series of storms, actually one big one, rolling through the Midwest right now. I think it just went through Chicago, Indianapolis. Now it's heading uh, east. Have you applied what you learned during the meltdown to handle this storm? It's not as big. You're not having the meltdown. But have you t already said, what did we learn then that we can apply now? We have. We put things into place like early warning of detectors, more crew schedulers that can be drawn upon. If you look at the January... 11th NOTAM issue and ground stop. Uh, that was very, very difficult for all airlines, but we recovered very well. We were number one in on-time performance the next day. If you look at January of 23 so far, as of today, we are number one in on-time performance in the industry. So, of course, we're we're applying what we learned, and we're actually performing very, very well. Bob Jordan, CEO of Southwest Airlines. Uh, guys, we'll send it back to you. Thank you. Oh, that was pretty good, Phil. I don't know. Carl, didn't you? I felt, you know, he's got that point to point. He's got the hub and spoke. Yep. He's got the people. He's putting the money in technology. I actually thought that this was, uh, I was, look, I'm not saying that, you know, this is a sandbag interview like I used to do when I was younger. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. Uh, well, American also had a pretty good quarter. Uh, yes. Razum true. way above 2019. And they did make a comment about their reliability. So it'd be well, everybody, you know, yeah, the long yeah, knives yeah, are yeah, out. Exactly. But at the same time, first of all, this man comes on. This Jordan yep. comes on. It wasn't the last time I think we did the transition. But second, if they are spending and they are curing this and the fact that the, the traffic has held up and all those questions that Phil asked that were so tough, I come away thinking, wow, uh, be, they have a good reputation. So they people are still flying. Yeah, you'll see them later tonight, by the way, on uh, Nightly News. I think Lester Holt's going to talk to Bob a little further. Wow. I look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, we have settled off the highs here. Dow's up 70 points. S&P still holding on to a 22-point gain. Bonds have settled down as well. We got to 352 this morning on the 10-year after that data, uh, but have uh, settled back just shy of three and a half, and the two-year uh, back below 417. We'll be right back. We haven't yet mentioned Chevron's diff hike and the $75 billion buyback. White House today 
quote, for a company that claimed not too long ago that it was working hard to increase oil production, handing out $75 billion to executives and wealthy shareholders sure is an odd way to show it. That debate will continue as the Dow has gone negative to about five points. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Here's a sample of where the Fed is in a jam. Nucor, best steel company in America, incredibly doing incredibly well, reported this morning, and it was a fantastic revenue number. The stock's on fire. I've got them on tonight. Uh, you do not expect the largest steel company to be hitting it out of the park if you're raising and raising and raising. So, I mean, this is the type of thing that should come up at the meeting. Which and Nucor's non-union, fantastic company, and makes the number, makes the number. But it's just that there's so much business, and a lot of it is generated by the U.S. government. And, and next year will be the same when the, we actually get the infrastructure money. So it's just it's a conundrum. You can't have all the great cyclicals doing well and still expect the economy to slow. But good, they're good. We have some great companies in this country. I'm telling just you, great gas and the brakes at the same time. In yeah, some ways. Yep, I know. That's what I did when I failed the first driver's test. <laughs> wow, it's just, you know, at least I had it. I didn't have the emergency brake on. I knew that I had that much more sense. Uh, there's a look at uh, tonight, yeah. Jim. Now, I mean, here's, here's an interesting thing. What's the company that did porous? Well, it's the spice company. Well, I mean, you know, a spice company is not what the Fed is trying to engineer is a slowdown in, in pepper and salt. That's not the game. But um, I guess, look, they have Sherwin-Williams. They got that. They don't even have Southwest anymore. <laughs> right. After that interview, I think they, have, so they lost Southwest as a negative. Uh, we'll see you tonight, Jim. Uh, it's a busy week, and tonight's, today's one of the peaks in terms of activity. Uh, Mad yeah. Money, 6 p.m. When we come back, more reaction to the Tesla rally after the company's record results and the upbeat demand outlook. Still a fair amount of risk on with staples lagging and consumer discretionary in the lead. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.